alien spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. Welcome to Subliminal Deception once again. My name is Cody and I am joined by Phil. How are you? Doing good, bud. How's it going? It's going all right. I feel much better now that I'm not all fucking clogged up and shit. I guess Claritin decided to back off a little bit. Um, yep, they made their money. <laughs> oh, I, they didn't make their money off me. I, I refuse to give them money. Well, I'm sure they get their money somehow. <laughs> <laughs> so how's your week been? Uh, you know, it's been a, a torturous fucking week at work, so just like any other week. Yeah. How yeah. about you? Uh, about the exact same boat. I'm very tired right now, and I think everybody knows that I hate my job like most Americans do. Uh, any any mysterious things happen to you this week, or has the government decided to leave you alone? No. Uh, let's see. The car uh, ended up costing $100 more than I thought it was going to, <laughs> so that bumped it up to 2400 uh, I almost got in a wreck about three times yesterday. Oh, pretty normal, pretty normal Phoenix driving. Yeah, so that's yeah, you know. that's just normal for Phoenix. Yeah, nothing much. The uh, the Men in Black laid off me this week, so <laughs> that's good. That's always a positive, I suppose. Well, anyway, this week we're diving into the Philadelphia experiment. Now, I want to talk for a minute about where I got some of my research from, a delectable show called History's Mysteries. Phil, are you familiar with this beautiful show? I, I am familiar, and I'm a fan. <laughs> I I was looking it up, and I think it was actually created in 1994. So the CG is shit. The actors are shit. It's just, it's beautiful. That's back when History Channel was, like, good. Actual history? Yeah. It must have went from, like... The weird Bible stuff to aliens and all that. Then it was like Hitler 24-7 and now it's fucking pawn stars. Yeah, all that. See, I don't mind ancient aliens. I thought ancient aliens was kind of fun, but it's like when you're on season six, you're kind of running out of shit to talk about. And it runs 24 hours a day. So that's just it's just way too much. Still, it's still on. I don't know if it's still new, but I know it's definitely still on TV. <laughs> They're still playing it. I think they need to just... We get the point. There's ancient astronauts. We get the point. I'm sure we'll cover them on the show at one point or another, but History Channel, go back to your roots. Quit with the fucking Pawn Stars and all that horse shit. No one cares about any of that. Anyway, so let's uh let's start here. Now, the Philadelphia Experiment, Um, I think most people probably have heard... The word Philadelphia experiment but may not understand what it actually is. Well, the legend starts that it is the U.S. Navy destroyer escort USS Eldridge. Um, what it kind of explains was this, this particular ship was designed to escort smaller ships. Does this sound familiar? Yeah, I think uh, so. It was designed during World War II to combat um submarine warfare right um the problem is the ships that were um going across the atlantic ocean um didn't have that good of maneuverability so these uh destroyer escorts basically were smaller ships designed to hunt and destroy um the submarines yeah and the the u-boats right and that's basically where the legend of the Philadelphia experiment kind of roots from because they needed to design something to hide themselves from the German U-boats because the German U-boats were uh, pretty advanced and kicking their ass from what I from what I could tell. Yeah, uh, the United States, Britain, uh, basically the Allies were losing a ton of ships. I mean, the numbers are staggering. How many ships were lost? Um, Basically, the whole war hinged on our ability to move cargo across the ocean. Right, right. Now, um, so that would make perfect sense why they'd want to ship that could 
essentially turn invisible, right? Now, yeah. allegedly, we refer to it as the Philadelphia Experiment, but apparently the military called it Project Rainbow. Have you ever heard this before? <laughs> no, I haven't. I've never heard of Project Rainbow. <laughs> now, why do you think they would have called it Project Rainbow? Ah, uh, well... The ship used electromagnetic field to bend light around it, so I'm guessing that the rainbow, kind of like a prism, bends light around it. Close. Uh, apparently, rainbow referred to the access powers colors, apparently, so... Not at all. No. <laughs> so I was completely off. <laughs> but that's what, throws, smart, that's what throws everybody out. Like, that makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. That's kind of what a rainbow is. Now... In theory, okay, so I've heard two things. First off, they claim that in 1931, talks of this experiment began, and it was actually Tesla who was the first one to try to make something invisible using electromagnetic fields. But then the Philadelphia experiment, I've heard, was based off Einstein's unified field theory. Now, um, I'm going to read the Wikipedia thing because this is seriously so fucking confusing. I, I'm going to try to describe it as best as I can. All right, here we go. In physics, a unified field theory is a type of field theory that allows all that is usually thought of a fundamental forces and elementary particles to be written in terms of a pair of physical and virtual fields. According to the modern discoveries in physics, forces are not transmitted directly between interacting objects, but instead are described and inter interpreted by intermediary entities called fields. Does that make any sense to you at all? Uh, you know, I'm not going to lie and say yes. That, that is absolutely the weirdest. I mean, that's all... Whoever wrote that Wikipedia page probably didn't fucking understand it either. No. You just know. Now, let me tell you something really funny here. So, I was like, I need to understand this for the show. Like, I need to know what the fuck this is. So, the first, it was like the number one YouTube video about easily understand unified field theory, right? So, I click on it, and of course, it's this fucking dipshit on there yakking about man if you just understood unified field theory man all the religions would come together and be world peace and he's like on and on about this and he has this weird little cube on his necklace he keeps showing i'm like dude you just seem like a douche and this has <laughs> nothing to do with the unified field theory at all i don't know what that guy was trying to get across i don't gee it's just weird it's just, i didn't make any sense but he was uh, making the most out of his community college degree. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. I, I was like, how is he going to say unified field theory was easily explained when he ta doesn't talk about anything remotely close to it? I Unless maybe that's the thing we're not getting. But now, the, so I found a different video that kind of explains it. And this is the best way I can explain it is, okay, so, obviously, you have an atom, right? And you have neutrons and electrons, I believe. And they, you know, you know how they constantly switch one each other, one another, right? Yeah. So, what the, what the theory is, is they also spread apart from each other, right? But it's not because of an electromagnetic force. Or it's not due to a positive and negative charge that they're splitting apart. So what Einstein was saying is that there has to be a relationship between electromagnetic fields and gravi uh, gravitational fields. Like That's basically the way he was trying to explain why these atoms are splitting apart without magnetic poles pulling them apart. It's extremely confusing, but it's kind of what he was saying, I guess. Mm. It's It doesn't really matter in the end because it's just... We don't, I don't understand physics. It's way beyond my brain capacity. And I, I don't know what he was trying to get at. But somehow they use that, I'm assuming the electromagnetic part to make the ship, uh, attempt to make the ship invisible, right? Is basically what I got yeah. out of that. So kind of how it works is um, I was kind of reading up a little bit about it. So if you look at a picture of the sun, um, you'll notice little dots around the edge of the sun. Right. Um, the sun has so much radiation and it has a large electromagnetic field around it. 
what those little dots are, they're stars behind the sun. And you can actually see around the sun with the photograph because of all the radiation and the electromagnetic field. So when you're looking at the sun, you're actually looking around it too because light is bending around the sun. Oh. The starlight coming from those stars is bending around it. Okay. All right. Okay. So is that – that's kind of what the uh, – you, you're saying that's what they're, they're basing this technology kind of on that principle, right? Yeah. So basically if you create a large enough and powerful enough electromagnetic field, you light – will actually, instead of bouncing off of it back to your eye, light will bounce around it, go to the object behind it, and then come back around and come to your eye. And you won't see the object that's mm. creating the electromagnetic field. You'll see what's behind it. Okay. So it'll it'll appear invisible. Okay, okay that makes sense then. I probably overcomplicated it way more than it needed to be. But so now... We're, I'm going to read off the list of what allegedly, this is me air quoting, allegedly was on the ship, okay? Now, I found this on a, it looked like a webpage from like 1992. It had a fucking galaxy background with like green ink on or green text and it was just a fucking mess, but I'm going to read it anyway. <laughs> All right, go for it. <laughs> So this is what the ship was loaded with. This included, according to one source, two massive generators of 75 kVA each mounted where the forward gun turret would have been, distributing their power through four magnetic coils mounted on the deck, three RF transmitters, two megawatts CW each mounted on the deck, 3,000 6L6 power amplified tubes used to drive the field coils of the two generators, special synchronizing and modulation circuits, and a host of other specialized hardware were employed to generate massive electromagnetic fields, which, when properly configured, would be able to bend light and radio waves around the ship, thus making it invisible to enemy observers. So technically, um, I don't know if the equipment adds up here, but like what you were saying, that actually makes a lot of sense right there. Yeah, so um, basically they're just trying to create a field. Like everything right. electronic that you have creates its own like electromagnetic field. It's what uh, – trying to think of – you know how sometimes when you have like a radio and you put it next to like an electronic device and the radio kind of gets fuzzy a mm -hmm. little bit? Yeah. So that's basically the electromagnetic field interrupting the radio waves coming into the radio. I think that's kind of how it works. Okay. All right. So, like, the Earth is a huge, has a huge electromagnetic field because of its core around it, which protects us from uh, radiation from the sun also. Hmm. Okay. Well, that makes sense. I'm glad you're here to uh, explain this to everybody because I would have missed it. Anyway, so let's do the first recorded attempt or what they say is the first attempt it took place on june 22nd 1943 so they loaded it up with semen and they flipped the switches and then the ship began to become encased in a green mist that's how they described it it was a green mist all around it and then all of a sudden it was invisible it couldn't be picked up by the human eye or radar at all but they did mention that the water underneath the ship, you could tell like something was there. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. the water was disturbed and they almost described it like it had a, a holographic outline of the ship kind of. That's kind of what they said. But the, but uh, according to who who's going to be reporting this, it was a successful attempt on their first attempt. Now, when they, they turned it off, they assumed, hey, everything went just just fine. But then when they went on board the ship, all the men were super sick. They were puking. They were really disoriented. They had no idea, you know, what happened. It was just like something made them super sick, and they're not really sure what. But according to them, the first attempt was successful. Did you hear about the mm. first attempt? Yeah, I've heard that there were two attempts, and I've heard the horrors of the second attempt. Yeah, we're going to get into once that, you hear, so don't Once you hear it, it sticks with you. I would imagine that there's an awful lot of radiation involved right. with that. 
So if it was real, my first guess would be radiation poisoning. Hmm. Well, um, well, like- also, the electromagnetic waves might mess with your internal organs, right? Which could wretch your 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 stomach. Um, well, I do know. Also, give you headaches. I do know um, through the paranormal field that low levels of electromagnetic fields, like even in people's homes, even if it's like a low amount, can give you weird symptoms like it's obviously the humans aren't meant to be around it so if this was like a significant dosage of it i can only imagine it's not good for you oh yeah like having wi-fi in our homes in 50 years they're probably gonna slap their hand against their head just wondering (laughs) what the fuck was wrong with us like how could you live in a home that was full of wi-fi signal you know our internet wi-fi signal all of these like all of these electromagnetic fields. We keep our cell phones right next to our dicks. Like, microwaves in our home. Yeah, you're gonna have dick tumors everywhere. You know what? I'm just gonna say this: this show wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Wi-Fi. So let's not knock it too much here, Phil. All right? No, yeah. I mean, Wi-Fi is great. I mean, we'd all be fucking Neanderthals throwing our feces at each other if it wasn't for Wi-Fi. But. Honestly, if you took internet away from this country Ooh, for a chaos, week, there chaos. wouldn't be a country anymore in three no, days. No, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Now, as Phil mentioned, the second attempt. Now, the second attempt is the one that really lives in infamy. Now, this one, supposedly, the first batch of sailors that were there, they're all sick. Navy gets rid of them. You can't use them again for the second attempt. So they wait until October 25th, 1943. Now, I've heard two things. They selected a a select group of sailors, only a few of them, basically a super skeleton crew to allow on the ship. And then I've heard that they just had basically a normal crew. So you can take from that what you will. But uh, same thing, loaded the sailors on there, flipped the switches. It was encased in the green mist again and did turn invisible. Now, this time, though, while it was invisible... There was a bright blue flash of light, and then all of a sudden, the ship literally disappeared. Now, I seen one video that claims the 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 blue flash was three football fields wide, like it was a big flash, okay? But the, the curious thing was that when it disappeared, the water didn't become disturbed. That was one thing that they kind of talked about. It vanished, but the water wasn't rippling or nothing, which is very strange. Now, here's where it gets really weird. Hmm. Reports came in that the ship appeared 300 miles away in Norfolk, West Virginia, and was there for several minutes, almost like flickering, if that makes sense. Kind of like flickering, like it might be in a different dimension or something like that. Like it could be two places at once. Correct. Now, I heard... Other reports that the ship was there for a few hours, but the main one I heard was it was only there for a few minutes. And then all of a sudden it, it disappeared again and returned to the Philadelphia Naval Shipyard. Now, obviously, people were uh, a bit freaked out at this point. I was kind of thinking about this. Okay, let's say hypothetically, first experiment worked successfully. Do you think the second one, maybe they just turned the power up a little too high? or? I mean, if you had such a... I mean... The thing is, you have all these enlisted men getting sick. Like, Mm. obviously, that's a bad thing. But they probably either tried to... uh, I don't know what to say. I mean, (laughs) nowadays, they would... It would be considered a success, but they would try to minimize how bad it... What effect it had on sailors. But back then, they totally would have jacked up the power. (laughs) Been like, oh, man, if if 80% was good... (laughs) then 100% will be better. You know, I could totally see them adding shit to it. <laughs> hey, John. They had, four, they had four months to add shit to it. So. Right, right. Um, so when they got back this time, the sailors were a lot worse off. Initially, they thought they just teleported and like nothing was wrong. And then they started hearing moans of the sailors. So when they went aboard, the sailors were once again sick and disoriented. Now, the other weird thing was that sailors were fused with the ship. Now, allegedly there was five sailors, and some of the big ones were one sailor's hand 
was fused with the ship's deck, right? And like his body was out, but his hand was stuck in there and he, it yeah. had to be amputated. Now, the other popular one <laughs> was that the sailor was half melded with the fucking smokestack. Like he was, I don't know, like his chest was sticking out of it, but his body was on the other end. So really strange. And obviously other people were melded into the deck Supposedly, the one guy that cut his hand off and the rest of them were dead because they're too far in the ship itself. Now, it when I was kind of thinking about this, let's hypothetical again. If this actually happened, it was almost like the molecular structure of both the men and the ship somehow became fused together. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So when you were talking about this, in my mind, I was thinking... Uh, I'm going to sound nerdy here, but like Star Trek with <laughs> okay. the tra- with the teleporter. So what happens is like when you get teleported, your atoms get separated. And mm. uh, if you have like – so Star Trek, they have this uh, – the teleporter that basically like puts you back together again perfectly on the other side. But if you were just like slamming on buttons and, you know, turned all the safeties off – it would turn you inside out basically mm. on the other side. I'm guessing that that's kind of what would have happened I, in this situation. Like basically there were no, there were no safeties involved. There was no <laughs> precedent. So basically the whole ship and the humans came out on the other side, just in whatever shape, mm. you know? Right. I mean, if we're to believe this story, I guess technically that would be kind of a reasonable explanation. Now, there was a few more men who literally just vanished, like they disappeared. Nobody ever seen them again. They're just erased from eternity, you know what I'm saying? They're just gone. Yeah. I don't know if they got stuck some some other dimension or whatever. They're just gone. You know, they might have been off the boat catching a rub and tug <laughs> down at the local uh, local establishment, so. Well, they are, they are sailors, so why not? <laughs> All right, so allegedly after this experiment, the Navy, they were worried, so they they immediately canceled it and began to brainwash the servicemen that were still there saying, hey, you got to keep this shit secret. You can't let this get out. You can't talk about this. Now, they also say that the men who survived, even though they were denying anything happened, they were just never the same. Like mentally, physically, they were just never the same. Um, a, f- a few of them said they just went straight up crazy. Some of them developed schizophrenia um, from from teleporting, I guess you'd say. Now, there's three extremely weird things that happened to the men. Number one, men would just, they'd fl- like flicker. Like you said, they'd be in two places at one time. They'd just be chilling there. And then all of a sudden their bodies would start flickering in between like two places. You know what I'm saying? Are you talking like after? After the like ship. long after the experiment? After the experiment. After the Navy shut it all down, the surviving men, this is what happened to them afterwards. This is what the experiments, um, the after effects of what happened to them, the reports of what happened to them. Sounds like a comic book. After a failed military experiment. <laughs> they get like... Some- go ahead. Oh, after a failed military experiment, Ensign Johnny now is in two places at once. And then it just shows him like going to the store and shit. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, this sounds like the worst fucking superpowers I've ever heard of in my life. I just flicker in and out of reality and I can't control it. (laughs) The most inconvenient superpower. Yeah. (laughs) Now Now there's another big problem. Men... The surviving men would become frozen in place like they would they just stand there and it's like they just weren't there. They couldn't move. They couldn't react. They wouldn't respond to you yelling at them. They wouldn't do nothing. They would just be they described as like frozen in time kind of. They were just stuck there now. But there was a way to get them out. Any guesses how you get them out? Oh, (laughs) Ooh, let me see. I have nothing. Kick them in the nuts. That's got to be. <laughs> no. Nope. First thing. So allegedly what you would do is if your bro, he's over there, he's frozen in time. He's been frozen for a few hours. You place your hand on his shoulder and hold it there and that will unfreeze him. But 
sometimes you'd unfreeze your buddy and then you would become frozen. So it's kind of dangerous. You you can end up both becoming frozen. (laughs) Oh, boy. So apparently people would just get, I don't know, their brain leaves their head. I don't know what the fuck's going on. But apparently they get frozen. Then your bro has to put his hand on your shoulder to get unfrozen. That sounds like a great trick to play on people. (laughs) Like, no, no, it's okay. This happens all the time. (laughs) It's the worst game of fucking freeze tag I've ever heard of. Anyway, so my my the favorite report of the after effect is there was four of the sailors, right? They're they're port somewhere, whatever, having some drinks at a bar. Well, they start fighting. Now while they're fighting, they're simultaneously becoming invisible and visible again while they're trying to attack each other. And apparently all the patrons watched them doing this. It was like a be like a weird holographic fight going on in the bar. Like, they just were flickering. They're just like, flickering, yeah. <laughs> allegedly. 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 That's the key word. It's <laughs> good. There's a lot of allegedly. But, yeah, so as far what as... What would cause that? Well, I mean, okay, let's, let's get weird here for a second. If we haven't gotten weird enough, if you teleported and your atoms and molecules got scrambled enough where you could teleport somewhere 300 miles away... Maybe it makes your molecular structure completely unstable, so then you just kind of, I don't know. You just never get put back together, right? Yeah, something like that. uh, I guess. I mean, (laughs) it's completely fucking crazy, but I mean, I mean, I... I firmly believe that in the future we're going to have teleporters. So oh, I'd hope not, so. It's it's not going to be in 20 years. It might be in 2,000 years. But I do <laughs> believe any anything you can think of with science fiction is possible. As right. long as it's rooted in some kind of... Dude, I wish they had teleporters. That'd crazy. be awesome. Where you could just like get somewhere in like a split second and not have to fucking drive or fly on a plane or anything. Oh, yeah. That would be... I mean, people would still be late for shit. But yeah. Right. Like, that would be great. I just, I can't wait for cars that drive themselves. I'm totally on board. Like, I'm going to be waiting in line. I've never bought a new car in my entire life, but that day, that's going to be gonna, the day. That's your first purchase. See, now, so you're not afraid of the AIs. No. Uh, humans are a lot worse than, you know. <laughs> human, robots don't mean to fuck you over. Human beings do. So, but what if the what if the AI decides they hate humans or they have an error where they start malfunctioning and want to kill humans or I don't really think they're going to have feelings. Like we <laughs> everyone thinks that they're going to like be angry that we turn them into sex bots and turn them in, I'm going off on a fucking tangent here, but everyone's worried that we're going to turn them in like they're going to get angry cuz we turn them into fucking maids and sex bots and factory workers it's like uh, they're not gonna give a fuck like <laughs> phil, i don't know phil those se- those real dolls those like fifteen thousand dollar real dolls they okay so what did i hear they're putting in them number one they're giving them a pulse i heard that um i think they're making some of them who they'll actually talk to you what was the other thing maybe they have a heartbeat <laughs> too or something <laughs> that'd be yeah they're uh God, I mean, the things they got, the things they got coming out of Japan are just fucking crazy. But just, I've always heard, and this is off tangent a little too, that so someone buys these dolls and they have to return them to get maintenance or whatever. And there's reports that the dolls come back with like stab wounds all over their bodies. Yeah, I'm guessing anyone willing to spend 15 grand on a fuck doll probably isn't all that right in the head. So I wouldn't doubt if they had fucking like rope burn around their necks and wrists and shit. Like I've heard that same thing. I, you know what I say? I guess if they're they have some violent fantasy, at least they're doing it on a doll and not a person. So I guess there's that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's good that they're not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're taking it out on an inanimate object, but goddamn, maybe get some fucking help, you know? <laughs> That's probably the best course of action. <laughs> Honestly, if people just went and got the help that they needed, you guys probably wouldn't even have a podcast to talk about. <laughs> probably so. not. Probably not. All right, let's get back on here. So now 
that we know what the Philadelphia experiment is or the alleged Philadelphia experiment, we're going to start getting down to the brass tacks of where the story came from, who revealed it to everybody. So we're going to start out here in January 13th, 1955. An auto parts salesman named Morris K. Jessup received a letter from Carlos Miguel Allende. Now, Morris K. Jessup had just written a book called The Case for the UFO. Now, in the book, obviously, around this time, UFOs are kind of a hot topic, right? Yep. So, in his book, he detailed his theory on how an alien spaceship would actually fly and its propulsion system and all that. He basically theorized how how it would all work, right? Still around today. Right. Have you have you read this thing? No, I just know uh basically like the si- like what the uh I know I know exactly kind of like what you're going to say, but like um basically like these theories date back to the 50s. Hmm. Um and they also believe allegedly that it's how the Nazis made the bell fly. So oh, right, it's right. kind of the same thing. Now, see, it's funny you bring that up because I was actually going to meld that in with this because I think the bell technically teleported as well, right? Yeah, the the bell, uh, it flew, it went invisible, and I believe it also teleported. Right. I think that they could actually, supposedly, they could actually control the flying, the teleporting, and the invisibility. Hmm. But, no, wait, they could control the flying and the invisibility, but the teleporting was all wonky. Hmm. Um, because the Americans tried to control the bell, supposedly, and it ended up time traveling also. So it <laughs> went fucking crazy. See, see Allegedly. Like, see, whatever. See, like I said, I was thinking about wedging this in here, but I'm like, you know what? That's interesting enough. Maybe that'll be its own show or like weird Nazi tech or whatever. That would make a great episode. Hmm. We don't want to shoot our load all at once. So anyway. Well, maybe just, maybe just give a little squirt. <laughs> All right, so so anyway, Mr. Jessup, he wrote, he writes his book, and then he receives a letter from Carlos Allende. Now, what Carlos is saying is that he was serving aboard the USS Andrew, I think it's Furuseth, Furuseth. It's a very weird word. Anyway, he was, which is a smaller ship that was parked next to the USS Aldridge, and he claims that he witnessed all the ship's experiments, right? And he and in the letter itself, he started scolding Jessup on his theories about UFOs, claiming that he actually knew how they worked and all that. Right now, there's yep. a few peculiar things. It didn't obviously he didn't put his address on there, but it listed a return address as Road One, Box Two Two Three, New Kensington, Pennsylvania, but it was postmarked from Gainesville, Texas. Really weird. So Jessup, okay. when Jessup read the letter, he, like most people, just assume, hey, this guy's got a few fucking screws loose in his head, right? Yeah. All right. Now, I'm sure the audience is all curious uh, what exactly these letters read like. So I'm going to read a little little portion from them. Mind you, these are big letters. This is just a tiny little portion of it to get you, get you give you an idea of what Mr. Allende's writing was like. My dear Dr. Jessup, your invocation to the public that they move en masse upon their representatives and have thusly enough pressure placed at the right and sufficient number of places where from a law demanding research into Dr. Albert Einstein's unified field theory may be enacted, 192527 is not at all necessary. It may interest you to know that the good doctor was not so much influenced in his reaction of that work by mathematics as he most assertedly was by humanatics, humatics, I don't, okay, from just seeing that, and now that's me, not me messing up the reading, this is how this guy wrote the fucking letter, like it doesn't make any sense, and he has capital letters all throughout the the letter for no fucking reason at all. Was it a handwritten letter or was it typed? I I I don't I don't know. I assume it was handwritten. Do you know what I'm saying though? Like that's that's 
the first paragraph of the first letter, and it makes no fucking sense at all, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> not. It sounds like Albert. He was trying to trying to spill the beans a little bit. Mm. Was he? Uh, I don't know. Like he definitely knew that no one was ever gonna. He thought that no one would read that letter. Maybe. Right. Right. But um, he, he, it could also just be somebody trying to make it sound like an intelligent person was writing. <laughs> See, now that's where we're getting to. He wants himself to be portrayed as extremely intelligent. He knows all the fucking secrets. But as you can see, Je this is why Jess is like, okay, this guy's just fucking nuts. We should probably also note here is that this is partially detailing the Philadelphia experiment, but they have no idea what the name of the ship actually is yet. So keep okay. that in mind. He said what ship he was on, but he didn't say what the name of the other ship was yet. He doesn't say till the second, um, till the second letter, I believe. So he's like, he's basically just slow feeding. Right correct. Now. Correct. Okay. So, so Jessup, what he does is he sends a letter back saying he wants, he has more questions for Carlos. He wants to know more about it. And on May 25th, 1956, he receives a second letter. Now, Carlos, he claims that he can't remember any dates or names, and he suggests narco, <laughs> narco hypnosis could rejog his memory. I don't even know what the fuck that is. I think it's just <laughs> hypnotizing you when you're asleep, I guess. Narco hypnotics? It sounds like uh, drug-induced hypnosis. Yeah, narco hypnosis. What's that, uh, what's that shit that Joe Rogan talks about all the time? Uh, Looking, uh, I don't know. Where they get on, like, uh, ayahuasca <laughs> down in South America. Oh, some trippy drug or something? Yeah. Well, there's also, um, I forgot what exactly what it's called, but it um, it basically sends you to the elf universe. <laughs> like, <laughs> you have, like, an out-of-body experience, and it's crazy. But it, that's kind of, let's when you said narco-hypnotic, that's what I thought of. Well, I'm sorry, narco-hypnosis. So Narco-hypnosis. It's okay. probably the same thing. A drug-induced hypnosis, I'm assuming. Now, yeah, could be. Now, here's the really, where it gets really weird about the letter. So, the header reads the name Carl M. Allen. But at the bottom, it's signed Carlos M. Allende. Okay? That's going to become important later. Now, I'm going to read another little section of his letter. This one's significantly longer. All right. Coldly and analytically speaking, without the howling this is in the letter to you accompanying this, I will say the following in all fairness to you and science. Number one, the Navy did not know that the men could become invisible, all capitals, while not upon the ship and under the field's influence. Two, the Navy did not know that there would be men die from odds effects hyperfield within or upon field. Three, further, they even yet do not know why this happened and are not even sure that the F within F is the reason for sure at all. What the fuck? In short, the atomic bomb didn't kill the experimenters, thus the experiments went on, but eventually one or two were accidentally killed, but this cause was known as to why they died. Myself, I feel that something pertaining to the small boat compass triggered off the flames. I have no proof, but neither does the Navy. For worse and not mentioned when one or two of their men visible within the field to all others just walked into nothingness and nothing could be felt of them. Either when the field was off or on or when the field was turned on or off, they were just gone. Then more fears are amassed. Five, worse yet, when an apparently visible and new man just walks seemingly through the walls of his house, the surrounding areas searched by all men and thoroughly scrutinized by and with and under an installed portable field developer. Sorry, he spelled portable wrong. And nothing ever found them. So many, many fears were by then in effect that the sum total of them all could not ever be faced by any of those men or by the men working at or upon the experiments. Oof. So... You said his name was Carlos Allende? <laughs> yes. 
Was English not his first language <laughs> then? I'm assuming because okay, you gotta that's, remember uh, that's, that's broken. You gotta remember, Phil. His education is probably from I'm gonna assume 1920s, 1930s, somewhere in there. Okay, I, I, it's it sounds like a jumbled fucking mess, but we're gonna get. I want everybody to have an idea of who this guy is because we're gonna find out who he actually is uh, later in the episode, but. As you can see, he's maybe not the smartest cat. <laughs> well, what he was, there was one point that you <laughs> you read one point where it was like that the that the men weren't killed by the atomic bomb. So he's making it sound like those men that were killed in the experiment were supposedly killed in the Manhattan Project. I guess I'm. I was trying to pick that all apart. It's a kind it, of. It's a, it's like, hard. Like if you if anybody's curious, just type in Carl Carlos Allende uh, letters to Jessup, and there's one page that has all of them on there, and it's just like it's just doesn't make any sense. It's just like gibberish almost. So he also mentioned uh, the navigation compass inside the ship. Mm. He thinks that that might have actually triggered the the second experiment's massive failure or success depending on how you look at it he thinks that the navigation like the compass might have set that off apparently cuz he said something about the fight like the navigation compass set the fire and that's you know mhm i mean i was just trying to pull apart little points in that it's, but it i think the letter will make sense once we get to the end of this you're going to understand okay. kind of the whole Carlos Allende package here. So jumping to a year later, in 1957, Jessup was called uh, to go to the Office of Naval Research. Now, the Office of Naval Research had received a, a they described it as like a manila envelope. It had no return address on it, and on the back it had Happy Easter written upon it. Very weird. So they opened it up, and there's a copy of Jessup's book inside, The Case for the UFO. But what's weird about this is it has little writings on the pages, and the writings uh, have the name Mr. A, Mr. B, and Jemmy. Okay, so it's it's basically trying to say that there's three people commenting on the book itself. And now Jessup, when he starts looking through it, he recognizes, I believe it's Mr. A's handwriting as matching Carlos Allende's, okay? All right. Now, so Jessup shows uh, the Navy the letters that he received. So they obviously go to where the address was listed, and it was just a desolate farmhouse. Nobody was there. It's just like an abandoned farmhouse. Now, here's where the story really picks up steam and really gets weird. Because at this point, if you, we take ourselves back in time, probably these people are just thinking that, this guy's fucking crazy, right? Oh, yeah. So on April 20th, 420 Blaze It, 1957, Morris Jessup was found sitting in his car, and he had a hose from the exhaust going into the window. He had just killed himself. Now, what do you think the, the public thought of this after uh, this author met with the Navy about all these supposed secret, secret experiments, and then he was found dead? They're going to think he got rubbed out, probably. Right. They think he knew too much, and they killed him. Now, the actual truth is what a lot of people suspect was uh, Jessup had just went through a divorce, and suicide was his only recourse, apparently, which makes more sense, I think. Right? Yeah, that makes a ton more sense. Now, here's where it gets even weirder. Now, the Navy kept copies of his book, and they, they printed about, they claimed about 100 copies of the book with all the mysterious handwriting in it. And they they called it the Varro versions. But the Navy wouldn't allow the public to read any of them. So obviously that will spark everybody's fucking interest in it, right? So this book was a publicly sold book. Like the original. Right. Without the writing in it. That's publicly sold. Right. And you're saying that the... The one with the three individuals mm -hmm. um, writing in it, that was kept by the Navy. Correct. But the people knew that Jessup had obviously went and visited the, the office and they showed him the book because maybe I think the Navy might have thought he did it or something like that. You know, that'd probably make the most sense, I guess. 
Yeah. Um, then it began speculation that the three people were writings from alien beings correcting his work inside of the book. It's kind of like a weird speculation that started to grow out of control. And then when the Navy kept the book and went let this public see it, then obviously they really got that bog rolling. Yeah, I mean, or the book never existed in the first place. Well, I we do know for certain the book existed because I believe right now you can, they've officially released it now and you can look at it online, I believe. Oh, so it does, it, you can... Like they uh, like released it, so yes. now it they does can. exist. Because in my mind, I was thinking, well, maybe it just doesn't exist at all, and people are claiming that the reason why no one has it is okay. That makes okay. That's good. Right. So yeah, we're, you just got to take yourself into being in the '60s, '70s. Okay, that's why it was more mysterious back then. Now, a Robert Gorman, he becomes a major figure because. He's on the search to find out who exactly this Carlos Allende is, and according to him, he searched through them all through the 60s. Now, in the summer of 1969, Carlos M. Allende walks into the Aerial Phenomenon Research Organization in Tucson, Arizona, claiming the entire thing was a hoax, and this is his exact words, what he told him. It was the wildest pack of lies I've ever wrote. Now... Why do you believe he would have done this? Ooh, uh, not many friends. <laughs> Just fucking. <laughs> okay, okay, that's the obvious loser. one. <laughs> that's. I think that. Uh, I don't know. I mean, people want to, you know, want to feel like they're part of it. Want to, want to help out. You know, like. So what? Here's the weird thing. This is what they uh, speculate, because. After Jessup died, so many people were making money off of um, the Philadelphia experiment and UFO type shit like that. Like they were using his letters and stuff to publish their own books and whatnot. And a lot of people think Carlos Allende got jealous that he wasn't getting any money from it. Oh. So he thought if he goes and turns himself in and says, hey, I made all this shit up, dude, like... He thought it would put an end to it and it'd be debunked and everybody would just move on with it and whatnot. But that didn't happen. Actually, the uh, exact opposite happened. A book was released by Charles Berlitz called The Bermuda Triangle in 1975. And it spoke briefly of the Philadelphia Experiment. And this book was like a fucking global phenomenon. Um... Then in 1979, Charles Berlitz and William M. M. Moore released a book called The Philadelphia Experiment, Project Invil Invisibility. And of course, this book was super huge too. Um, obviously, the public's always interested in this type of shit. And at this point, Carlos Allende went back on his word claiming, no, 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 I was lying about lying. I was telling the whole truth the whole time. He wanted to get back on this fucking case again. So did Carlos Allende, did he ever actually try to make money off of this? Or because it seems like everyone was making money except but for him. him. Like, they, did he ever try to cash in? It doesn't sound like it. Now, here's the weird thing. Carlos Allende obviously went in um, and confessed this was a hoax, right? but they don't actually know who he is. They don't know where he lives or anything. And then when he recants, they still don't really know who he is yet. They don't really know who he is quite yet, but he's he must be sending letters to someone or something or whatever. But what's important about this time period is when he recants is this is at the point where they actually learn the physical name of the ship as the USS Eldridge. And this is when they start... Once they learn the name of the ship, then they can start talking to the crewmen. And one crewman claims that he's been aboard the Eldridge his entire career, and it was never even in fucking Philadelphia. All right. <laughs> now I'm gonna I'm gonna play a clip of a uh, this guy's just kind of funny, and I thought everybody would enjoy what he claims uh, about the uh, USS Eldridge. If there was any scuttlebutt, I would have heard it. There was no scuttlebutt about top secret anythings on our ship. <laughs> <laughs> oh, isn't that guy beautiful? Just a fucking old man who's not putting up with any bullshit. <laughs> There's no fucking scuttlebutt <laughs> aboard my ship, sir. 
Now, Robert Gorman, I mentioned him before. He was searching for this mysterious Carlos Allende, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if you'll remember, the first letter was uh, addressed to New Kensington, Pennsylvania. And the weird thing is Robert Gorman actually lived in New Kensington, Pennsylvania. And he happened to stumble upon, upon some guy who was actually Carlos Allende's uh, neighbor, right? And he's like, oh, I know Carlos. He uh, he made this whole thing up. He brags about it all the time, right? At this point, Robert Gorman discovers that Carlos Allende's real name is actually Carl Meredith Allen. And he was known for, he'd get books uh, from authors. He'd write little headlines on them and then mail them out trying to get a reaction out of people. So he was just a troll, basically. Well, he wasn't a troll, but he was... They described it as he almost wanted to, I don't spark a controversy somewhere or something like that. Does that make sense? He like he was yeah. trying to get a reaction out of the authors, and obviously Jessup, his book was pretty hot right then, and and all of that. Now the thing, another funny quote on that history's mysteries about this. His brothers on there, he's like, oh yeah, Carl, he was the second smartest guy in the county. I'm like. Okay, Jesus, why is that even prudent? He literally says it on there. Yeah, just who is the first smartest? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But obviously, you can see he's not that bright because his real name's Carl M. Allen, and his alias is Carlos M. Allende. So it's basically just a <laughs> he like Latin me- flavor play on <laughs> yeah. words a little bit. <laughs> he just now. Now let's let's piece this whole thing back together. This is how, um, at least I believe it happened, is Jessup received the letters from him, sparked interest. Carl mailed the book bu- the book to the Navy office. They found it. They interviewed Jessup, and all of that. And then Jessup killed himself right after that causing basically people to think that the Navy snuffed them out, right? They created this perfect thunderstorm of a story where people actually thought this was really real. Yeah, I mean, it would make just the perfect conspiracy theory. Uh, You know, you've got naval intelligence involved. You've got, you know, the author of a book and some random rogue who, (laughs) you know, claims to know things and claims to... You know, claims to have the inside scoop and, oh, but then, uh, you know, then the author of the book gets snuffed out and must have been Navy intelligence. And then, <laughs> you know, circles start being formed around, you know. Now, here, I, th- I think for me personally, a big thing about this, too, is like you're right in the heart of World War Two. Like, I'm sure the U.S. military was probably trying stuff they're not talking about to get any sort of an advantage over their their enemies, right? Oh, yeah, of course. So, I mean, technically, trying to become invisible might not be out of the realm of possibility, but obviously fucking <laughs> teleporting 300 miles away and then men are fused to the fucking ship and shit is a little out there. Yeah, I mean, it is... I could imagine that, like, trying to just go out there and... uh Basically, any scientist has something written on a napkin. They're going to try it to try to beat the Nazis. This right. is life or death, you know, American versus America versus evil, basically. Right. But it's just a little too fantastic. I mean, did you OK? Did you know about Carlos Allende and all of that? No, I had no idea about any of that part. Uh, I, all I knew about was the conspiracy was the the two boat experiments. Right. And obviously to me. The Philadelphia experiment, when I first chose this, I'm like, dude, this story is fucking awesome. It's got everything. But obviously, I didn't know what the conclusion was and that they've more or less debunked the whole thing. Yeah, it was a little weird when you said that that. uh, So what I know about it from watching that video, um, when you said that there was that Navy, the the seamen, I guess they call themselves. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) uh, He said that he had spent his entire career on the ship. Right? Mm, right. On the USS Eldridge. Right. So he must have had a short career because what happens to that ship in real life? Well, it they sell it off to the Greeks, right? Right after World War II. Yeah. 
the it spent forty it spent forty years in service in the Greek Navy. Well, did um did you see the part as well where they they actually lost the ship too, and they're like, oh shit, the ship disappeared again. But it was actually like a government error where they were decommissioning it, and they actually <laughs> fucked that up. Did you see that part too? No, I didn't see that part. <laughs> no. But uh, okay, so a few closing things here. Um, obviously, the military now does have the ability to make their boats and planes invisible to radar, right? Everybody knows yeah. that. Um, now, the Navy did did have a few experimental uh, procedures. They had something called uh, degaussing. Have you heard of this before? Uh, possibly. Why don't you go into it? So basically, the theory was they would remove all the magnetism from the ship. One of the sailors was talking about it. Like, when they were doing this, they'd have to remove um, so much shit from the ship. Like, it couldn't have clocks and all of that just to get this thing because other, otherwise it would destroy them. The ship would be loaded with large, uh, I think they're like magnetic tubes or something on it. And it would take all the magnetism away from the ship. And I believe that would hide you from radar. No, I've never actually heard about that. It's pretty interesting. Apparently that was something that they did. Not. It sounds like they didn't do it very often because it had more negative effects than like <laughs> positive effects. Yeah, what the fuck are you going to send that boat against? Like a <laughs> I, rowboat? Like, I don't know. hope for the best. Like, oh, we're invisible, but, you know, can't really fire at them. And uh, we don't have any engines, so everyone's basically just putting out a fucking oar in the water. Like now, now, this leads to the next point where they theorize that maybe Carlos Allende, this is where he would have got the idea from, is if... He was at a bar, and there's a lot of sailors around. And they're like, "Hey, they're they have something to make the ship invisible from the degaussing." And from him, maybe he got the idea in his head, and then started this fantastical story. That's that's actually extremely plausible. See? Just some sailors telling tall tales, right? And then some idiot hears it in the background, <laughs> and just his first thought, like, "Oh, yeah." I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> now the I'm gonna close on this very last one because it's just it's just kind of fun. No, apparently around this time there was a magician and he went around telling everybody, "Hey, I can make a uh, warship disappear." And he was asking the military to let him have one so he can make it disappear. Obviously, they're not gonna give him a fucking ship to make it disappear. So he instead made a picture of a warship disappear. Right. He gathered a bunch of people in a hotel room and made the picture disappear. That's fine. He's a magician. That's what they do. But apparently the military then came and questioned him and say, hey, you got to cut this out. Quit telling people you can make ships disappear. And allegedly they had a conversation and then the magician just stopped it after then. And I don't know. There's some rumor that the magician could have gave him an idea of how to hide their ships better or something. <laughs> by hiding it behind his back <laughs> i guess i don't know <laughs> it's just kind of silly but i thought it was just kind of funny apparently they did actually talk to him but i don't know if the magician actually told him anything or whatever but they probably just wanted him to quit <laughs> <laughs> dude quit mentioning us you're not <laughs> you're not edgy bro <laughs> no. just get out of here you're not gonna make a fucking ship this for you dumb shit <laughs> but anyway, that uh, that wraps up the story there, Phil. Anything stick out to you? Oh, man. It's just, uh, I mean, honestly, it's perfect fodder for the guys in their basement putting red strings on corkboard. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. You can see it in your head. You see these little parts of the story, and you can imagine, like, the red string going from the boat, you know, to the harbor, to the <laughs> other harbor in Virginia and all this crazy shit. And, you know? The guy with the crazy hair, you know, mm -hmm. it's aliens, you know, like. <laughs> Here's a good question for you. Why, if you're Carlos Allende, the world's your oyster where this fucking ship can disappear. Why do you choose West Virginia? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that's the weird thing also. So you're in a Navy harbor in Philadelphia. Why would it automatically go to another American Navy harbor? <laughs> you would think it would just go to some random place. I mean, it honestly... If they had the ability to teleport and control it, I could see them going from one harbor to another. 
but not if it wasn't supposed to happen. <laughs> Why would it go to the millet to the Navy Harbor? It's it's not even a Navy Harbor. It's one of the main ones. Like why? You know what I mean? Like I I have a feeling Mister uh, Carl Allen just probably isn't very creative. Yeah, that's <laughs> with a lot of these conspiracy theories too. They're I'm sorry if you're if you love conspiracy theories. They're usually made up by some of the dumbest people. Like honestly, <laughs> it's just I mean they are believed by everyday normal people and that's cool i believe in some of them i don't Mm. believe in a lot of them Mm. but you have to admit a lot of them are fucking bullshit Mm -hmm. like god they're bad (laughs) some of them are just like if you read a fiction story that was set up like this you would you would slap the book shut and throw it on the ground Mm -hmm. you you know Mm -hmm. like it's that philadelphia to virginia thing the same (laughs) with a lot of them and of course like, where do they keep these UFOs? Oh, it must be in a military base. You know, like, why would you hide something where everyone would expect you to hide it? You exactly. know what I mean? Like, exactly. it's the same shit. It's, it's always gotten on my nerves, but I'm going off on another fucking thing here. But <laughs> well, you gotta, I know I'm bad at that, but. <laughs> you got to remember, think of how much shit was created from this story. You have all them books that were created. People got rich off of that. Then you have, I think, like three really shitty movies that i'm sure probably made plenty of money as well oh yeah but yeah we yeah the uh the the gift horse just keeps on fucking shitting (laughs) in people's hands on this one yeah now find my very final closing thought here um i did see something else about an alleged sailor that was on the uss eldridge and it was some story about him getting teleported 40 years in the future and it had to deal with the Montauk project but I didn't want to go into that because again that could be a whole nother episode itself and I'm sure we'll cover that at some point so we'll save that for that point yeah that Montauk project uh that actually that would be a great one to research up on Hmm. uh there's a lot of crazy uh that goes along with a lot of the photographic evidence for time travelers um these people who claim to be in the Montauk Project also claim to have photographic proof from the past. Um, I love that story. It's a great one. Yeah, we might see the conspiracy theory world is our oyster. We can do whatever the fuck we want. That's but, right. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I hope everybody enjoyed the story. I'm sorry if it kind of crush your hopes that this actually could have been a little bit more of a mysterious ending but in the end old carl meredith allen uh is just a just his moment of glory moment of glory i guess yeah what uh what did you think of the story um i think like i said i think the the story of it is awesome like in premise this could be the perfect government experiment and technically i think but i also think if the, the correct sequence of events didn't happen, none of this story would have took off. Like, if Jessup wouldn't have visited the Navy office and then killed himself, this story wouldn't have took off. That's my opinion, personally. Yeah, I mean, that's... I think it's like a big string of coincidences that created this amazing story written by a guy who's not that creative. <laughs> yeah, it just... <laughs> I love it, I mean... Obviously, I love conspiracy theories, and mm. I just love how this one comes together. Yeah. Like, just with those letters and with the guy who wrote the book on aliens who was already, like, had some fame, and it just, like, lends a little bit of credibility to the story. Like, and then they use the Navy intelligence, and... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's good. I didn't think it was fake at first, and then when I dug in, I'm like, oh, fucking A. But, well, Phil, uh, why don't you tell everybody what they need to do to get in contact with us? Well, Cody, uh, we have an email out there. Uh, easiest way to get a hold of us, subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, tell us what you thought of this episode, uh, the Philadelphia Project, any uh, conspiracy theories you might want us to go on or rank or whatever you want. Just send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, tell uh, where can they find us on Instagram? Oh yeah, Instagram too. Subliminal Deception Podcast is on Instagram, and uh, we're gonna post um, a few times a week, uh, every week. So try to give us a follow and uh, give us some likes, and we'd really appreciate that. 
Right. We'll uh, keep you up to date when we got new episodes and all that dropping. Um, Now, the final thing that we ask is if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Um, Obviously, by the time you hear this, we will have two episodes dropped. Very fresh, very uh, starting at ground zero. So any reviews will really help us out, really help us grow, and really help the podcast evolve and let us know what you think of us. That's going to do it for me today, Phil. Uh, Is that going to do it for you? Yep. All right. Well, let's get out of here and everybody be safe and keep the men in black away. Thanks, guys.